after six days, so after six days after Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of God, and then, you know, then he said the other thing, and then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, right? After six days after that, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them up a high mountain alone with him. And during the night, he was transfigured before them. His face was changed and it shone like the sun and his clothes and his clothes became as white as light, flashing like lightning. And there also appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter was amazed and he said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. But it says that he didn't really know what he was talking about. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and they were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. I, this is one of my favorite stories. It's called the Transfiguration. And there's a lot of important things about it. First of all, when the voice says, this is my beloved son, listen to him, you notice how the voice kind of interrupted Peter. Peter was like, let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. You know what he was talking about. Like, we don't know exactly what he meant. Did he mean like, well, you guys can just stay here? No, that wouldn't make sense. Did he mean, let's make some booths to worship you guys? Well, that doesn't really make sense because Moses and Elijah aren't people to worship, but Jesus is. Whatever he meant didn't really make a lot of sense. And so the father was like, Peter, stop. The father interrupted Peter and he said, this is my beloved son. And so the transfiguration is like, we get to see a little bit of Jesus' glory. During most of his life, even when he did miracles, he still looked like an ordinary person. But here, it's like a, it's like a prediction of his resurrection. It's kind of like, um, if we go up a mountain, and then you look out from the mountain peak, and you see another mountain peak nearby, it's sort of like on the Mount of Transfiguration, they've got a view. They've got a view of the next mountain peak, of Jesus' resurrection and his glory. But Jesus also knows that they got to go back down the mountain. They can't stay up there. He's got to go and suffer. And the disciples will have to suffer with him, but he wants them to see this first so that when he is suffering and when he dies, they can remember this, but they won't really remember it. <laughs> but after he rises from the dead, then they'll understand. They'll understand that he intended all of this. I don't know. They get too distracted and distraught. They should have remembered it, like, another, like, not that long later, you know, Jesus told them right after this that as he's coming down from the mountain, he says to them, don't tell anyone the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And they didn't understand these things. They couldn't understand what it meant that he was going to suffer and die. But a little bit later, he would be on another mountain, the Mount of Olives. That's where the Garden of Gethsemane is. And again, he would take Peter, James, and John. And again, it would be the night, but this time... He would be, his face would be changed in a different way. He was filled with such anxiety and trouble in his soul about his suffering on the cross the next day that it said he sweat like drops of blood from his face. So, wait, so like so there the was the next day he was gonna not the next well 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 not the next day after this but the next day after he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and the same disciples saw that and there are a lot of parallels and 
they should have remembered, right? And Jesus could remember, and he could draw comfort and strength and know, yeah, the Father glorified me then, and he's going to glorify me again. And that's true of us also. One time I listened to a pastor who was saying that this is a preview of coming attractions. It is for Jesus, for his resurrection and his glory, and it is for us. Because like Moses and Elijah were in glory. Well, Moses and Elijah were sinners, but they got to be in glory with Jesus. So do we. So will Peter and James and John. We'll get to go to be with him in glory too. And how and why? Well, see Jesus only, it says. They saw no one but Jesus only. And hear Jesus only. It says that the Father says, listen to him. Listen to all of Jesus' word and trust it. Look to Jesus alone and to his death and resurrection. And that's why it's so important. Moses and Elijah are also there because they show that this is what the Old Testament was about. You know, it's sort of like, again, on a mountain. You can look all around and see a good view. Well, they were looking back from that mountain to the Old Testament and seeing how the Old Testament prophets, like Moses and Elijah, predicted Jesus and his coming. Well, he left the other disciples behind when he did that with Peter, James, and John. And while they were there, something happened. And it caused a whole big hubbub. So, this man had a son, like Simon, probably older, but he was possessed by a demon. And this demon was always trying to hurt this little boy. He would give him seizures where his whole body would shake. And whenever there would be some fire nearby, the demon would try to throw the boy into the fire. And if there was water nearby, the demon would try to throw him into the water to drown him. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about how scary that would be. Not only for the boy, but for the, for the father. I'll tell you what. When kids are between the ages of like one and two, maybe it feels like they've got a bit of a demon because they keep doing dangerous uh-huh. things. I remember when Anastasia was like, like one year old, and she kept doing things like she would just run off the edge of the couch, uh, smack her face in the ground. <laughs> because, like, once kids are one, they're a lot more mobile than they were before. They can walk around and stuff, but they haven't learned to be afraid of things yet because they haven't learned that they can get hurt by running off the edge of a couch or by putting their hand into the fire, right? Like, it, like when you're a parent and you're seeing kids doing stuff like that, it's, like, nerve-wracking. You're like, stop. And that's why... I, I, same sorts of things, I'm sure. And so, like, if you're, like, walking by a river, you're always like, stay away from there, stay away from there, and you always have to try to, like, shield them, because not only might they just, like, run off the edge because they don't know any better, but also they're not all that steady on their feet, and they might just fall on accident. Well, this was way worse. This demon was constantly throwing the boy into these things to try to kill him and hurt him. And so the father must have been just, like, losing his mind trying to protect this child. The pr- father and the mother, too, probably. But, but we don't how know did he about live? Well, the father was probably always trying to grab him and pull him back and keep him alive. And so he came to the disciples, and he begged them to heal the boy, to cast out the demon. But they couldn't do it. These would be the nine disciples that Jesus left behind while he and Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain. <laughs> And so when Jesus came down from the mountain, he found this big thing going on, this crowd and this argument, and the disciples were arguing with the Pharisees. And you're probably wondering why the Pharisees were involved. We don't, it doesn't really tell us, but it could be that the Pharisees were like, ha, 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 you guys couldn't cast out that demon. Not so great now, are you? You can't cast out a demon? <laughs> no, they yeah. couldn't. No, the Pharisees couldn't. And then the man was upset because the disciples couldn't do it. And maybe the disciples were blaming one another. Or maybe they were arguing with the Pharisees. I don't really know. But when Jesus saw it all, 
He was asking what happened, and the man told him, and he said that I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus said, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And it doesn't say exactly who Jesus is talking about. It might be that he's kind of talking about everyone and everything. Just think, a moment ago, Jesus was up on the top of the mountain, and he, and he had that moment where his glory shone forth, and he's talking with Moses and Elijah, and he, the Father's voice came down from the heavens, and everything was like grand and amazing, right? And, and then he comes down from the mountain, and this is what he finds. Sometimes people use the expression, coming back down to earth. You ever heard somebody say that? Mm-hmm. It's like if something was really great, and you thought it was going to be awesome, and then like the reality sets in. Like, for instance, let's say that you... Well, let's just say you went in an airplane. You're like, well, I'm flying in the sky, but eventually the airplane has to come back down, right? Or let's say that it was your birthday, right? And you had your party, and you got your presents, and everything was really fun, and then the next day it was like, oh, it's not not my birthday anymore, and the party's over. And sometimes it feels like a little bit of a letdown. Or like you have a great weekend with lots of fun things, and then on Monday you have to go back to school. Now, you guys don't have that too much because you guys kind of like school, but... Or you have to go to work on Monday... After a weekend, it feels like kind of a letdown. Well, Jesus comes down from that mountain and talk about a letdown. All right? Here's, here's this boy who's possessed by a demon. That's not good. Here are the disciples who he, he told the disciples they could cast out demons, and they had done it before, but right now they can't do it because they're not really trusting in Jesus, and that's not good. And then you have the Pharisees arguing and the disciples arguing, and that's not good. Yes, Samara? Um, also... Um, like, so when you go to, uh, you couldn't do something. But, like, uh, if you went to outer space, it's fun go. going there. Sure, and then you have to come back down. And you're like, I don't want to go back yeah. down. <laughs> All right, so Jesus said, bring him to me, bring the boy to me. And uh, Jesus asked the father, um, like, I can't remember how this goes, actually. Jesus asked the father or not. Well, anyway, the, the father says, um... If you, if you can, please heal my, my son. And then Jesus said, If I can, <laughs> all things are possible for one who believes. And his point was, Jesus is saying, I can do anything. The question is whether you trust me to be able to heal your son. And the man said something really important. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The man recognized that he was weak, but that that but that, that that didn't matter. He knew that Jesus could do it anyway, and that Jesus could strengthen his faith. So that's what he was praying for. All right, so then Jesus said, bring the boy to me. And he rebuked the demon, like, get out of there, you naughty demon. Be gone. Get out of there. And it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. And later the disciples came to Jesus alone. They said, why couldn't we cast that demon out? And he said, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. When I was a little kid, I remember hearing that verse and I didn't entirely understand it because I remember thinking, okay, what that means is that if I like believe strongly enough that I can move a mountain, then I can move a mountain. And I would think, move, mountain, move. And I would say, try to put a mountain in the backyard or something. And it, it, it didn't work. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. Jesus didn't tell us 
that we could move a mountain. Not literally, he's using a figure of speech. Right? He never told us, yeah, you can move a mountain. Now, if he had told us we could move a mountain, then we could, if we believed his word. But he didn't. What he meant with, it, with this expression is that he's saying to the disciples, yeah, I know this demon was hard to cast out, but I promised you guys that you could cast out demons. Is this a demon? Yes, it is. Am I stronger than the demon? Yes, I am. So why weren't you able to cast out the demon? Because you didn't trust in me. I don't know what it was that the disciples were not or were doing so that they didn't trust in him, but, but they weren't. Maybe they started to think, ooh, I can do this on my own. Or maybe when it didn't happen right away, then they started to doubt instead of trusting in Jesus' word. And he wanted them to be persistent in asking Jesus to do what, what he said they could do and cast out the demon. But he's saying, even if you have a faith as small as a grain of a mustard seed, then you can do something <coughs> impossible like moving a mountain if Jesus promised that. But yeah. their faith apparently at that point was even smaller than a mustard yeah. seed. Yeah. So after that, Jesus foretold his death and resurrection. He told them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they'll kill him and he'll be raised on the third day. And they were all very distressed about this. They were disturbed, they didn't like that. Just like they, Peter didn't before, because they don't understand yet. <laughs>